Hello again, how are you? Welcome to the first episode of Curving Conversation for 2022. I hope you had a fabulous Christmas and as part of your celebrations, I hope you came to see a chorus line on the Smeds and the Smooths or maybe even both. First of all, a happy new year to you. Don't forget to check out everything that's coming up at Curve in the next 12 months. Look out for the latest brochure or go to curveonline.co.uk. Now we start a brand new year with a whole host of fabulous shows, from musicals like the Osmonds musical and Bedknobs and Broomsticks to a variety of shows and events as part of the Leicester Comedy Festival and the Spark Arts Children's Festival. Remember, if you subscribe to Curving Conversation, you'll get exclusive interviews and a chance to go behind the scenes. Now, in this episode, we'll catch up with Leicester actress Ebony Fear, who is returning home as part of the Spark Arts Children's Festival. We'll chat with Diane Pilkington, who stars in the world premiere stage musical based on Disney's classic movie Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. We'll find out about the Andy Nairn Bursaries in Technical Theatre, established by Curve in partnership with Derby Theatre and the Nottingham Playhouse. And Clive Anderson talks about his show Mean Macbeth and I. But first, The Osmonds, a new musical, tells the official story from Jay Osmond about the five brothers from Utah who were pushed into the spotlight as children and went on to create smash hits decade after decade. No stranger to curve from shows like Grease and West Side Story is Ryan Anderson, who plays Meryl Osmond. How are you, Ryan? I'm very well, thank you. I've just come from rehearsals, so yeah, it's, uh, it's all going well. This is actually a world premiere, let's not forget either. I know you've done countless musicals from Bat Out of Hell and Fiddler on the Roof to Mary Poppins and We Will Rock You, but have you ever been involved in a show like this from the outset before? Not anything that's actually been created into like a a main UK tour. I've done some new writings, but nothing that's kind of come like this. And it's so exciting because you get to be involved with some conversations of rewrites of scripts and, and conversations with how does this song work in this key or or should we try it in a new key or something like that and it's it's really interesting to see all of the minute details that when you've done a show that's already been written and performed lots of times you don't understand or you don't appreciate as much of the details that goes into it and all the hard work so it's really nice to see that from the outset all credit to our creative team because they allow us to be really vocal and and give our opinions which is lovely how much did you know about the osmonds i grew up with them so i know quite a lot but obviously (laughs) you're much younger than me so how much did you know i could lie to you right now or i could tell the (laughs) truth (laughs) i didn't know much if i'm being honest with you i knew love me for a reason but it was not from actually the osmonds version but then when i started researching for the auditions I actually knew, I knew who they were without kind of knowing their name, really, because my mum had played Paper Roses, Marie Osmond's uh, song, in the car all the time. And I'd heard Donny Osmond a lot in the car. My mum absolutely loves them. So I kind of grew up with them in my ear, but not really knowing who they were until really researching from the auditions and and realising how 
incredible they were. And obviously it opened your eyes to what is an incredible story. I mean, so many different careers. Obviously, this concentrates on the brothers, but you've talked about Marie and Jimmy, of course, who who came later on as well. Mm. But they covered so many different aspects of entertainment, from television shows to Las Vegas, covering everything from country to rock. I mean, it's just an incredible story, isn't it? And they all play instruments. They have two other brothers. They don't perform, but they, yeah, they taught them how to tap dance. They used to do uh, a Christmas show where all of the children and all the partners used to come in and sing. So I don't know where all the talent comes from. If I asked all of my family to get up and sing a song, I don't (laughs) think it would sound as as nice as how they made it sound. I mean, you're absolutely right. The talent is is endless. Donny has just, of course, finished Panto season at the Palladium, first Panto season he's ever done. But they've Mm -hmm. produced television series. They had their own television studios in uh, Utah as well. But Mm -hmm. this story all starts at the very beginning when the brothers were really young. And a lot of credit is given to Andy Williams, but they began as the Dapper Dans, a barbershop harmony group at Disneyland. Yeah. And you start in this show with the Young Brothers, don't you? Yeah, we do. So it, it all started really to raise money for their brothers' hearing aids. And that's how they started performing. We've got an amazing group of children in this show and they open their mouth and you don't quite expect what's going to come out and they're doing really really well so you have this age range from them being really young and then you get to them being in their late teens early 20s and that's of their life of the original five Osman brothers and when you look at the uh, the songbook if you like the score to this show alone is just packed with so many hits isn't it yeah you've got yo-yo one bad apple I mean, One Bad Apple is just such a great song. You can't yeah. help but move when you when you hear it. Love Me For A Reason, Crazy Horses, uh, Puppy Love, of course, everyone's waiting for. Um, <laughs> it's really important to us is, yes, this is going to be an audience for people where the Osmonds are a massive part of a certain age group's childhood. But also we want to invite young audience members to come and watch something because... I mean, me as a 26-year-old and cast members who are in their early 20s as well have listened to these songs for the first time and they are genuinely, incredibly written songs. You've got Love Me For A Reason, which is a lovely ballad. Mm. And then you've got Crazy Horses, where you've got Meryl and Jay really kind of screaming this rock sound out. And you go, are they the same people? Are they the same voices? Uh, yeah, I could talk for hours. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. And you said at the very beginning, you didn't know much about the Osmonds, but you certainly knew their music. And I think that would be the case for most of the audience members who come to see the show. It is worth pointing out, though, that it tells a really interesting story. It's much more than a jukebox musical. But playing Meryl Osmond is a far cry from Arab, of course, in West Side Story. What's it like for you coming back to Curve? I love the Curve. It's just a creative place and... Nikolai's an incredible man and yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to 
coming back to what feels very close to my heart. And at the moment, of course, we're awaiting the results of the What's On Stage Awards for which West Side Story has been nominated. And I really do hope it has a life after Curve because of the innovative staging with Nikolai Foster's direction, the brand new choreography and so on. And it must have been an incredible experience for you. Yeah, that show was very poignant and it asked a lot of questions that were quite relevant to today. As a cast, we're still very close as a cast, as West Side Story Group, and we're all very supportive of each other. And that doesn't happen too often when a cast stays together. But with a show like that, it somehow makes you all feel quite connected. Or maybe not just because of the show, but just because of the people that we had. And yeah, it was a very, very special time. We'll keep our fingers crossed for the What's On Stage Theatre Awards. But in the meantime, don't forget the world premiere of The Osmonds, a new musical, is at Curve from Thursday the 3rd to Sunday the 6th of February. And Ryan Anderson, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the show. Next on Curving Conversation, let's find out more about the Andy Nan bursaries in technical theatre, which was set up following the death of Curve's much-loved head of production, Andy Nan, back in 2020. Andy was really passionate about nurturing the next generation of technicians, and he believed every young person should have access to the best possible training opportunities. The Creatives Venue Technician Apprenticeship provides recipients with training in all aspects of stagecraft, including scenery and equipment, automated flying, lighting, sound and video, as well as the skills necessary to progress professionally in the industry. One of those recipients is Lily Peabody, who joins us now. Lily, how are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Thanks, Martin. So tell us a little bit about your background, Lily, first of all, how you first got interested in theatre performance or even the technical side of, of uh, productions. At school, during sleep form, our school always put on shows every year and... During sixth form, I decided to volunteer backstage for West Side Story because I studied music technology and so they kind of asked everyone in the class if they could help out a bit backstage in terms of the technical side and I got to like handle all the radio mics, give them out, move props on and off stage and it was kind of my first experience being backstage at a show and I really enjoyed it so I thought oh maybe this is something I'd like to do as a career because I hadn't really thought what I was going to do much after school so but doing that I thought it would be fun to do that since I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the apprenticeship in a moment's time because it gives you a grounding in all sorts of areas. But is is music production and sound the, the area that you're most interested in? Uh, well, I mean, sound is the field that I kind of have the most experience in. In terms of lighting and video, I have, it's purely just because I haven't had experience in it. But working at Curb, it's really great that I'll get to do all of them because it may turn out that 
I enjoy doing one of them more. It's just haven't had the opportunity to do it. And of course, many people may think that if you're interested in the performing arts at all, there are two ways to go. You can either choose to be a performer or you can choose to work backstage in some capacity. Of course, it is possible to do both. Do you have any interest in performing as a dancer, an actor or musician at all? Being a musician myself, I do play instruments, so I have had experience doing gigs and things like that but also my younger sister is actually a performer in theatre she's been in the West End and Mary Poppins and Nativity and things so I kind of know the theatre from both sides kind of from her doing it but I think for me personally I prefer the technical aspects but it puts you in a perfect position, really, doesn't it? Because you yeah. can enjoy the technical aspects, but understand the performance side of it as well. So how did you yeah. first hear about the bursaries? So after finishing school, I didn't think that I wanted to go to uni for theatre and stage because it can be very difficult to get into the industry and I wasn't sure university would be the best course so I thought apprenticeships would be a really great opportunity because then you get to work practically and gain knowledge whilst on the job so I started looking for apprenticeships on the government website and came across the one at Curve and what stood out for me with this apprenticeship was like you mentioned getting to work in all the different sectors uh, of the technical teams and obviously Curve is state-of-the-art theatre is a really big place and would be a really great opportunity so I was like yeah this sounds really great I applied through the website and then got called for an interview and then got the job and that must have been really exciting but I'm sure you'd agree that from day one you know, it is such a welcoming place, isn't it? Yeah, everyone has been really welcoming and really nice. And it's a really nice atmosphere. Everyone is willing to help you out, answer questions. And yeah, it's been really great. Now, it's still early days because your apprenticeship started at the beginning of December. But yeah. I gather that you've been able to do and learn so much already. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, a chorus line in the Christmas show happening just well it was ongoing as I started so I kind of got thrown in the deep end <laughs> a bit so I got to shadow the sound department whilst they were doing the shows which was really cool because I got to see what they actually do during the show uh, also lighting and automation so yeah I've seen it pretty much as they were carrying it out so it's been really cool and really an eye-opener and I've learned so much already yeah and you're absolutely right because a, a chorus line um, is, is fairly minimalistic in terms of traditional set and so on but yeah. it is so technically complicated in terms of the automation the lighting and sound and everything isn't it mm, so yeah. that really I mean I'm, I'm sure that was just a big wow factor for you yeah definitely I got to go up to the grid whilst the show was going on and see all the bars lowering up and down it's pretty crazy I mean you've got a long way to go yet in terms of the apprenticeship and you've got other areas uh, to explore 
as well. So every day is different and that's one of the joys of this, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, every day I'm learning something different. It's really cool because you see all the departments, how they work together as well as a team to put on shows and yeah there's always something new that's going on so what do you hope to do long term do you hope you know obviously for a career in theatre would you hope for a a career staying at curve Um, and and will you also still pursue music music for me is always ongoing but in terms of career I think yeah I definitely stay within the technical department within theatre because it's just really exciting. I think music is more of a hobby for me, but definitely love to stay at Curve. I mean, I've really enjoyed it so far, so I'm not sure what department I want to specialise in yet, but like I said, I'm open to whatever comes And wouldn't it be fantastic if one day, who knows you could work on the same show that your sister was appearing. (laughs) Yeah, I have thought about that, actually. Yeah, that would be pretty fun. (laughs) And for anybody who's listening now um, who hasn't heard before about the Andy Nairn Bursaries in Technical Theatre, is the Creative Venue Technician Apprenticeship something you'd recommend? Well, I would personally highly recommend this apprenticeship because I think in any creative industry, it is really hard to kind of get your foot in the door. The first step, I think, is always the hardest. But with this apprenticeship, with Curve, you just get to, in a practical sense, work, which you may not get through other routes, such as university, which can be more theory-based. But with this apprenticeship, you get to work hands-on and experience theatre as it is today in the industry you'll get to develop working relationships with everyone there and everyone's really nice at curves so (laughs) that definitely makes it easier settling in and yeah you get to work in all the different departments which with other apprenticeships you may be not that it's a bad thing but maybe only focus on one sector such as sound or lighting But with this, you get an overall rounded knowledge of all the backstage departments, which I think is pretty valuable in the industry. Yeah, you may decide that you want to specialise in your career, but a a grounding in everything possibly makes you a more rounded backstage person anyway. But also, it gives you more strings to your bow when it comes to employment, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, you've got uh, 16, 17 months still to go. I'm sure it's (laughs) going to be an exciting time for you. And also, when you look at the variety of shows coming up this year at Curve, you must be particularly excited about working on some of them. Yeah, definitely. I've never worked on touring shows. So I'm excited to see how because Curve has a lot of touring shows that come through and I know it can be very fast-paced, so I'm excited to see what that's like. And obviously, you've got the in-house shows, which will be interesting to see how it works from start to finish because I came in at Chorus Line as the live shows were happening, but I know that there's a lot of preparation that goes on beforehand, so 
it would be really interesting to see how all of that works. Well, look, I'm really excited for you. It's going to be a fantastic 16 or 17 months. Uh, wish you all the very best for that. And if you want to find out more about the Andy Nairn Bursaries in Technical Theatre, check out the Curve website. Lily, thank you so much for talking to us. <laughs> thank you for having me. For one night only on Saturday the 26th of February, the host of Whose Line Is It Anyway, Loose Ends and Talks Back, Clive Anderson takes to the stage at Curve on his first ever solo tour in a one-man show guaranteed to be funnier than Shakespeare's greatest tragedy. It's called Me, Macbeth and I. Quite interested in the whole reason why Macbeth is regarded as... uh... Uh, bad luck and I go into the history of that All, but I happen to think it's the best play ever written and uh, it's, so it's, it's a good structure for me to reflect on my acting ability or lack of it and uh, plays that I've been in which don't include Macbeth uh, I have a sort of Scottish side to me so I can uh, that, that fits with that as well and uh, and the, the disaster side of Macbeth leads on to my own personal disasters uh, on you know in broadcasting terms so I know it sounds a bit thin this argument as I say it like that but I, I think if you were to see the show or you, you, you see that whatever else it does provide quite a handy structure uh, to put the whole thing together obviously people know about the stuff that you've done on TV and radio but you talk about the 15 years or so that you you spent in the legal profession as well uh, a little bit i uh, not a huge amount i i, I suppose i could t- I, I could put a bit more in uh, i am i've done this show in uh, i did this show at edinburgh the edinburgh festival and you, ha- and you had to stick to an hour because that's the slot that every show kind of has and i overran every night with, to the annoyance of the uh, stage manager so now i'm on tour i've you know i've I'm doing a full evening show, so um, just by slowing down slightly, I'll make it an hour and a half. But I can add another half hour of material to make two. I can keep going for all all night. I think I'm don't want to turn into Ken Dodd. You know, he used to do shows that uh, would go on for about five hours. I'm not threatening that, but I was nervous when I first was broadcasting and doing things in public saying too much about a case that I'd done because the um, <laughs> the people involved were still around. You know, either you don't want to upset them for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> in cr- criminal cases, what I largely did. Yeah, I think you concentrate quite a bit on the chat shows um, and you talk yes. about chat shows in general. You know, some of them can be you know fun, some of them can be sparring, some of them can mm. be challenging to say the least. And yeah. y- I think by your own admission, you've had ups and downs, haven't you? I had a sort of, I I don't have a particularly distinctive approach, but I came to doing a chat show um, because I'd I'd done Whose Line Is It Anywhere. I was introducing people who did improvisation and me and my producer, when we first started, had had an idea. It would be like an extension of that. We wanted guests to come on and not exactly improvise comedy, but have it a free form conversation, which wasn't pre-organized and too many stories, but a more, I suppose, relaxed and funnier way of doing it. Uh, almost like a parody of a chat show, but you you can't parody a chat show because you're, you're if you're chatting you're you're doing one. I brought my legal background, so I was used to sometimes you're cross-examining people and challenging them. So that was more like a current affairs mm. show, and um, and I was and I was keen to be funny. So um, all that comes together in, and I thought, oh, this is this is a good good <laughs> good idea for a chat show, but. When it works, it works. When it goes wrong, it goes badly wrong because you know, if you challenge somebody and you make it funny and their studio audience laughs, the guest feels more threatened and more upset than um, 
they might otherwise be. So, uh, yeah, as you're right, up, ups and downs, but sometimes the downs are as much fun as the ups, um, in, in retrospect, at any rate. I think the downs were mostly caused by the fact that your guests didn't want to play the game. Is that right? Well, yes, but you, uh, I can't blame them in a sense that, uh, you know, if I ask a wrong question and they, or the guest doesn't like the question, that, that was my uh, decision. Sometimes if you're trying to, you know, give some, not give them a hard time, but challenge them on something, and then that's, that's you know, that's unfortunate. That's where things go wrong in current affairs interviews. But I didn't just want to say, oh, tell, tell us about your latest film. Is your director marvellous? Yes, he is marvellous. He is marvellous. And this is your best film ever? Yes, my best film. I like to sort of, you know, what, what went wrong with the, you know, film five films ago? Or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Because that can be more, more fun. Not everybody sees it like that. My um, thing I try to convey to... Uh, guests on shows the main thing is to do a good interview have don't you don't have to get obsessed with um you know underlining how good bad or indifferent the your latest thing is the audience wants to have a good good time the host wants to have a good time you want to have a good time and it, the mostly you can you like to leave people with the idea well that was not i liked him i liked her mm. that was entertaining that's the best you can do and if the deal is you're doing that because you've got a show coming out or a book coming out fair enough Clive Anderson, who comes to Curve on Saturday the 26th of February. Next, as part of the Spark Arts Children's Festival, Leicester actress Ebony Fear is coming home on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th of February in the play Josephine, playing Josephine Baker. This is the Egg Wales Millennium Centre and Oxford Playhouse co-production, written by Leona Allen and Jessie Britton, and tells the story of the girl from Missouri who became a 20th century icon. First of all, Ebony, welcome home and how are you? Oh, I'm so fine. Thank you. I'm, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Tell us a bit about your background, first of all, because you're a Saul Valley College girl, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's taking me back now. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Um, born and bred in Leicester. Um, yeah, I went to Saul Valley College. I also went to Taylor Primary School before that. And then I went on to Charles Keane College, then Saul Valley. So I, I did um, drama music you know GCSEs and things like that when I was there and I thought hey oh, this is good <laughs> <laughs> now listen was there an inspiration a particular teacher because I'm I'm trying to work backwards in time gosh. and I think oh, you gosh. possibly you, this <laughs> you possibly were at Saw Valley at so, the same time as Raki so, Thakra weren't you yeah Raki yeah Raki Thakra she was oh gosh was she the year below me she was, yeah, she was younger than me. <laughs> Put me on the spot. This is years ago. So, yeah, that's just amazing just to see how much she's done loads. She's just doing great at the minute. So that's always a blessing just to see that. So good on her. When I mentioned an inspirational teacher, I wondered whether that man might be Jez Simons, of course, who also launched Hattie Productions. Um, a brilliant drama teacher. And I also did things out of... Um, college like shows and things in Leicester with him being the director so you know he's given me quite a good platform and stuff and at that time so many people got their first sort of taste of theatre uh, via the youth theatre at the Leicester Haymarket yes 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 yeah I did so I did attend that as well that's what inspired me I mean I thought oh this is pretty good you know I think I'm going to stick with this and we had the opportunity to go on stage as well with some of the pantos and I just enjoyed it so 
stuck with it. And since then, obviously, you went to Lipper in Liverpool and the BA Honours in acting, and then you've done pretty much everything from film, television, theatre. You've you've done you've done such a variety of work. I mean, that probably is the joy of doing the job, isn't it? Exactly. I like the um, variation, different things we can do, and it just keeps it all exciting. But I do enjoy theatre. I love theatre a lot. And you've done (laughs) you've done such an incredible amount of work. But I cannot believe this is the first time you've come home to perform. I know. This is, yeah, this is the first time performing in Leicester. Um, I'm just so excited. And so is my family, um, you know, (laughs) friends in Leicester and things. So it's just, why has it been so long? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, and The Curb is a beautiful theatre and Spark Arts. It's so lovely, just on my doorstep. So I'm just going to be staying at home, coming in, you know getting the bus in well <laughs> why not why not and i'm sure the family are going to be there aren't they so yeah, um, you yeah. know supporting you on on home absolutely turf yeah. as it were so tell us a bit about josephine because it's received such incredible reviews four stars in the guardian and elsewhere yeah. it's the story of josephine baker and the sad thing is it's a story that needs telling because you know, a lot of people wouldn't even recognise the name now, which is sad, isn't it? Yeah. Even myself coming into the rehearsal room, I mean, I, I knew only a little bit about Josephine. I knew basically about the banana skirt and she was, you know, a very fun performer. But I didn't know anything about, you know, her background, how she's just a powerful woman. She's a dancer. She's an icon. She's an activist, you know, wanting equality for all poet just all these many things I did not know so I'm just grateful to be playing this role and also for people who don't know about Josephine especially the young kids because this shows seven plus for these to be aware of this black and powerful woman who's just done so much so I think it's really good and it's also good because it's seven plus there's also like a learning portal which is available for schools so the kids will get an insight onto the character and the story itself before coming into the theatre so they have full knowledge of who she is so that's just so exciting Mm. for most people who come and see it whether they're young or old exactly the story is just incredible born in america moved to france uh, dancer actress um she did so many incredible Mm. things first black woman or first black actor i think in a movie Um, yeah yeah worked for the french resistance during the war civil rights activist after the war flatly refused to perform to segregated audiences Mm -hmm. people are going to come out after the show and think how did i not know all this exactly exactly so that's that's the rewarding thing for us actors when doing this show and my 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 thing also i like the the fact that she adopted 12 children and she named it the rainbow tribe and she just brought all these children from different races cultures religions and she just her idea is just to bring everyone together and just wanting peace in the world you know and that's just something which really touches me and the backdrop to this is the age that she was living in the sort of roaring 20s the jazz era mm. you know so i assume that the soundtrack to this will have that influence maybe a bit of charleston as well <laughs> yes it does <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> the music the music's lovely the soundtrack and there is a little bit of movement in it as well so and (laughs) in the end you know kind of get the kids uh, moving a little bit so it is a bit 
exciting in that way so yeah they get to see have a feel for that time how does it feel for you having learned so much about josephine baker yourself she was such an inspirational woman and through this story hopefully others will be inspired won't they oh yeah 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 i think yeah she is inspirational and for young kids i think yeah i was inspired myself so it just feels great I feel blessed to just be able to play the role and be a part of it. Do you know, it's almost 50 years since Josephine Baker died, and unless we're very careful, her legacy could be forgotten. Even Café Josephine, the New York diner dedicated to her memory, is facing closure. So it's really important that we keep her memory alive. And that's exactly what you're doing with this fabulous play, Josephine comes to Curve on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th of February. And once again, Ebony, oh, welcome you. home. Thank you for talking oh, to us. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And finally, if like me, you're a fan of everything Disney, you'll be delighted to hear that Disney's classic movie, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, is making its world premiere as an exciting new stage musical, and it's coming to Curve. With the original songs by the legendary Sherman Brothers and new music and lyrics by Neil Bartram, along with the book by Brian Hill, Bedknobs and Broomsticks has been brought to life by award-winning theatre makers Candice Edmonds and Jamie Harrison. It tells the story of the three orphaned Rawlins children who are reluctantly evacuated from wartime London to live with the mysterious Eglantine Price, who is played by the fabulous Diane Pilkington. How are you, Diane? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year, first of all. And, oh, um, thank you. Yeah. What's it like to be back on the road? Uh, do you know what? It's amazing. We, we were Obviously, theatre was closed for such a long time and I, I'm sure, like all of us, we've, we've fallen into the habit of forgetting that that happened <laughs> until someone asked me that question, what's it like? to be back and it's like god it's glorious especially with something like this i mean it's just such a wonderful show it's you know it's, it's full of heart it's full of magic and it's full of very eccentric people both on stage and off so we're having a brilliant time <laughs> now you've played so many amazing roles haven't you from lay Mears to wicked cats to mamma mia but this one is slightly different because it's a much loved movie from 1971 and this is of course a world premiere staging so how was the process for you uh it was well it was it was fairly crazy i mean it's the the directors are incredibly inventive and so what we've ended up with is a show which does doesn't particularly do what you expect. They utilise so many different kinds of stagecraft with puppetry and obviously some good old-fashioned magic, a bit of slice of hand, all that kind of thing. Illusion work. This is so different for me. And, yeah, it is, it's a, obviously a story that I grew up with and I think it's so well-loved in both this country and in the US. And... Obviously, the writers are, are from over the pond and they've created something which is faithful to the film and a little bit to the books, but is something entirely new. You know, we've obviously tinkered with it a little bit because you have to for the stage. Mm. You know, you can't you can't always tell the same story. And also, it's, I mean, that film is amazing, but it's, it's 50 years ago. So it was of a time mm. and it was written about a time as well. So, you know, it's sort of a 70s film retrospectively looking at the wartime. And, you know, we've got we've got some slightly different perceptions of that now and how and, you know, our understanding of how it would have uh, affected children's mental health being evacuated, that type of thing. So we're telling a slightly different story from a slightly different angle, but it's all still there and we still have a bed that flies. 
and yeah. I flown a broom. So, you know, the, the main elements that people need what, to see are still there. Need? Well, the, the, original, <laughs> the original movie itself in 71 was groundbreaking yeah. for any number of yeah. reasons. And so the stage musical had to be groundbreaking too. And it certainly is. The reviews so far have been incredible. The world premiere was, of course, last year. So what's been the audience reaction so far? So brilliant. And it's, it's so brilliant going from venue to venue weekly, which is actually a logistical nightmare for both us and the show. But what we do get to do is see the different responses in different places. And they're overwhelmingly so positive. It's brilliant. But, you know, you get some audiences that are really drawn in by the story and you don't hear a peep from them until the end. And then they're all up on their feet and roaring. And then you get the audience of children who are so well behaved. And that is really gratifying to have children listening to what you're saying, because let's face it, they're the hardest judges. And um, I have one myself. So, you know, you don't get their attention. You're you're not in a good place. And then you also get, you know, the, the sort of the laughy audiences who pick on every little slide joke that's in there and uh, and it's just so brilliant how that evolves every night depending on how the audience are responding but like I say we we've had such a brilliant response from from both reviewers and from audiences what more could you want well it's far cry from young Frankenstein and only falls and horses <laughs> isn't it but <laughs> And of course, Angela Lansbury is such an iconic performer, both on stage and on screen. There is a certain expectation from an audience with this role, isn't there? Yeah, I think if I'd let myself think about that too much, I would never have set foot on the stage. So what I tried to do was pay homage to things that she's done. Obviously, she created this role. I I have to throw it out there. I am a huge Angela Lansbury fan. Yeah. The first face mask I bought had a picture of Jessica Fletcher on the front of it. So, <laughs> and that was way before I knew I was even up for this. So I love Angela Lansbury and I think she's so unique as a performer. You can't copy Angela Lansbury. She does something that is unique and fantastic. But there are times when people, somebody actually stopped me outside Manchester Theatre when we were there and went, oh my God, you're just, you remind me so much of Angela Lansbury in the film. And I was like, really? Because obviously there must be things that come through. And I take that as a huge honour. That's a huge compliment to me because it's certainly not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find my version of Eglin Time. But if it is, if it is leaning towards that way, then then there's, that's good, isn't it? And of course, you've got a track record as a witch, having played Glinda in Wicked. I have track record <laughs> at being a not very effective witch, yes. Um, but I'm better. I'm better at magic this time, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if, if, if I'm right in thinking this, but I think it's your first time at Curve, isn't it? It is, it, but not, not the first time that I've ever been there, because obviously I have um, visited and watched stuff there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love the Curve Theatre. It's brilliant. I can't wait. Well, it's a fabulous space and I'm sure you'll have an amazing time. In fact, we hope to see you back at Curve many times in the future as well. Now, for those people who know the movie, finally, what can they expect if they come to see the stage musical version of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? Well, they can expect something that I feel and certainly the feedback we get is... It pays homage to that film that we love. If you love the film, you're going to see all of your favourite bits, all of your favourite characters represented on that stage in a really loving way. But there's other stuff too that we've added in because, you you know, you have to. And there's nothing more exciting than seeing something happen live. 
So, we, you know, we, we will make a bed fly and you won't know how it's done. We will make me fly through a window on a broomstick and you won't know how it's done. Um, you know, there's lots of things you will be able to see. There's lots of things we bring the audience in and allow them to see how we're working it. And then we'll take away the things that you can see and you won't know. So it's really exciting. And it's some great tunes that everyone knows. Everyone gets just so excited. You can hear them starting to sing along when the briny comes on. And, <laughs> and um, you know, the, the tunes that you'll recognise, new ones that you don't know, some which were cut from the film, uh, some which have been written that uh, just flow seamlessly. Um, they've done such a clever job in making this, the new songs sound like the old songs. And some, you know, the, the kids are brilliant. Charles, who plays Emilius, is very dashing and really hilariously funny. And um, and then and Connor, who plays uh, the eldest Rawlins child, is just my absolute rock on that stage. He's wonderful. It's his it's his debut. So some great performances, some great songs. And we're excited to see it as well. And you on the Curve stage for the very first time when Bedknobs and Broomsticks comes to Curve from the 9th to the 13th of February. And Diane Pilkington, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you for having me. And I'm afraid that brings this episode to a close. Thank you again for listening. And don't forget, if you don't want to miss any episodes, make sure you subscribe through your favourite podcast app or go to curveonline.co.uk there is so much to look forward to at curve in 2022 including the made at curve musicals billy elliott and beautiful the carol king musical visits from the likes of pam Ayres, clive anderson and craig rebel horwood billionaire boy jungle book and the gruffalo and many many more I'll be back to talk about all of that and preview some of the shows with more Curving Conversation next month. I'll see you then. 